People love to talk about the end of the world, and why not? It's a pretty important thing. It's important to prepare for that. There's many, many books about the apocalypse, about what will happen when Christ returns again, how this will all go. There's a very famous series by some uh, American authors, American Protestant authors. There's also an interesting series I just began reading by a really good Catholic author, Michael D. O'Brien, wrote a series called Children of the Last Days. And of course, he's a faithful Catholic, so as he's writing it about the end of the world, he's trying to really come at it from a Catholic perspective. Um, you know, we, we don't believe in the rapture in the way that maybe some Reformed Christians do, but certainly that we know that there will be calamities and uh, worldwide events and uh, great distress in the end times. I have the book Father Elijah that Michael D. O'Brien wrote is, is very, very good. I encourage you to read it. It's a very spiritual read as well. It's for a work of fiction. Today we have Jesus in the Gospel of Luke preparing his disciples for end times. It starts off by talking about the flood and Sodom and Gomorrah. These two events where God intervened in the world to wash away wickedness and to protect the good. Just as in those days, these things happen very suddenly, right in the middle of ordinary life. People are buying stuff, they're selling stuff, they're getting married, they're going out to eat, going out to dinner. It's happening right in the midst of normal life. We should remember that. Jesus says, so it will, so it will be on the day the Son of Man is revealed. You know, one of the biggest criticisms of God's existence or Christianity is, why does God permit all this evil, all this wickedness to stay on earth? Why doesn't he do something about it? Why is it still here? Well, it's good to remember that God has done something about it and will do something about it. In the past, God has intervened to keep evil at bay. He has sent floods. He has sent fire. In this time of mercy, he has sent his Son to give us the Holy Spirit that in our hearts we can be free from the grip of sin and the grip of evil, that we can be regenerated now. God has done something about the problem of evil. And even in the future, when the Son of Man is revealed in the second coming, God will definitively wash away sin and death and wickedness for all time. He will cast the devil and his minions down to the fiery pool. He will save his children and bring them to glory. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. In the meantime, we know that God is patient and loving and wants to save all of humanity. Recall the parable of the wheat and the tares where an enemy comes and sows weeds in the middle of a wheat field. And when they grow up together, the servants say, Master, someone has sown weeds in your field. Should we pull them up? And what's the master reply? Not yet. If you pull up the weeds right now out of the soil, you'll also pull up the good wheat. We must wait until the end. We must wait until the harvest. And then we will pull them apart. And we'll maintain all the wheat and we'll cast all the weeds into the fire. Those that have no purpose, those that will not feed any, anyone or anything. So God is patient for the sake of our salvation. He's patient with us 
And yet, Jesus urges us to be vigilant. He urges us to not go back to sin after we've been rescued. Don't go back into the house. Don't go back to the rooftop to get something. You've been saved and liberated from sin. Leave this place. Leave the place of wickedness and walk towards the Father in heaven. That's one spiritual meaning of our reading today. This is a difficult gospel to read because the end of the world and the prophecies about it and also the end of the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD destroyed by the Romans are kind of woven together. Multiple layers of meaning here. One way you can understand the last line of uh, where the body is, there also the vultures will gather. You might translate that, where the body is, there also the eagles will gather. What is that about? Well, when an army is besieging a city and the armies are all around the walls and the city is dying inside from hunger, it's kind of like when vultures circle the corpse. And of course, the eagle was a symbol of the Roman Empire. So in one sense, it's saying the city of Jerusalem, which will fall, it's like the eagles are gathering, Rome is gathering, it will happen. So there's a physical meaning of when Jerusalem falls, the Christians escaped and ran to the hills like Jesus told them to. And yet spiritually, there's a meaning here too, that we who have been freed from sin and delivered already should not go back into the place of slavery. We need to be with the Lord who has saved us. We need to remember that all these calamities will happen right in the middle of daily life. Our response as disciples is not so much to try and figure out what calendar day will Jesus return. So many people have tried that and so many people have failed. Our responsibility as disciples is each day to choose to abide with Jesus in the ordinary things of our life. To leave behind sin and wickedness, knowing that God will wash them away forever one day. And to cling to God, to cling to God who wants to bring us into eternal life. In the meantime, we ask for divine patience and divine compassion, knowing that the wheat and the weeds, they grow together. They grow together. And only by allowing God's time to take place will we allow God to save his children. God to save us. Brothers and sisters, let us be vigilant. Do not return to what has been left behind. God calls us to his kingdom.